0: You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here.
1: Three, two, one. Spook. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists.
2: I'm something of a witch.
0: Pargy mates! Welcome to Mission Spooky. i or be your Captain JC. With me today, the Demon Queen of the Seven Seas. Kiki and our local Kraken Cord. That is the exact noise Krakens make. Uh, use that for your D&D uh, references, guys. <laughs> 100%. Chronical. Crun chron- well, I don't know what I'm fucking saying. Just leave me Krant-
2: alone. crackin, crack Yes. <laughs> 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 crack yeah. Yeah. and crack iconical. Yeah. Canon crackenol. How's the garden? Court and I we need to do uh um,
3: sorrel Soral
2: Sorrel mm-hmm. sessions at some point. My yeah. peppers are weird.
3: My garden is mint. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha.
2: awesome uh my peppers are like this is one of those like learning years i think for what really is taking in this environment and what i currently have and what may not do well and i just won't plant them again which is fine because once again my Thai dragons are like growing massive Mm. if you want a lot of Thai dragon yes good that's what some of our people are going to be getting of our followers who uh helped me out with re re-upping my seed collection. They're going to be getting some dried uh, hot peppers, so it's going to be those guys. Paprika is doing okay, but I don't know how much I want to get out of that. The Hungarian black peppers, I finally got one. They're just not growing as fast as I want them to, but they're there. Gochu peppers are doing great. That's exciting. And I'm really excited for the Pippin Because that's the one that was um, created here in Philadelphia in the African-American community. So uh, Pippin's Gold, the golden ones are, uh, they're like, they're purple first, then they turn a golden yellow color. I just pulled one right off the vine and like ate it. It was amazeballs. Did you really
3: just say amazeballs unironically? I did, yeah. Oh my god. What? Dying on the inside from
0: that.
2: <laughs> okay, well, yeah. <laughs> I say it all the time. I don't remember mm-hmm. you saying it. Yeah, maybe
0: not. Um, I'm not judging you for it, Kiki. I have zero. You weren't paying attention to what she was saying. You. you she, said amazeballs. she said maze balls." She said something was maze balls." Yeah. I yeah, heard cool. balls, and I started listening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it.
2: If I just go balls, what balls? will yeah, rap balls, I'm and then you're paying attention. Just balls every other word, and JC's like, "I'm there." I'm
0: I'm there. We will lose viewers and listeners, but we will gain me, <laughs> the host. <laughs> I've actually readme- pay attention.
3: I'm no longer actively disengaged.
2: All right. Well, unless there's anything else that's exciting, we can take a break for our sponsor. And uh, when we get back, we'll talk about, well, we're going to talk about this woman who, her name is Rachel Wall, and it's a thing. It's a whole thing.
3: I think I have a good way to uh, welcome us back.
2: Oh, boy. Are
0: are you ready? (laughs) Are you ready? I don't want to say yes. (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> I know what's coming. I don't want to give you permission for this. I, I realized it once you asked if I was ready, and I'm like, he's coming at me with a fucking pirate joke, and I, I hate it. I don't know
2: how
3: ready I, I hate am it. For this. <laughs> A pirate walks into a bar, and everybody who's in the bar turns and glares at this pirate. He has a a, a salty presence about him, but that's not necessarily why everybody was staring at him. He walks in. And everybody stares at him because he has a ship's wheel stuffed down the front of his pants. And the pirate walks up to the counter and he, he orders him a, a, a nice old rum and the bartender hands it to him. The bartender says, uh, Excuse me, sir. Uh, are you aware that there's a ship's wheel stuffed down the front of your pants? The pirate, like most pirates do, takes the bottle to his to his lips and Takes a big old chug and puts it down, and he responds with, "Ah, right, I know. It's
0: driving me nuts. I love it. I mean, I hate it, but I love
2: it. <laughs> driving these nuts. <laughs> it's always a good day when we can get these nuts into any sort of episode, and it vaguely I makes say,
3: them- I say these nuts five times every day." <laughs>
2: just a random random people and random times it makes no sense
3: you don't have any idea how actually correct you are in that statement
2: (laughs) i can imagine jess going hey hun what do you want for dinner and you're like these nuts babe these nuts
3: my answer to that is usually dick and she goes
0: (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) oh man i'm more imagining like cords at work being a boss, sees a group of kids or people, I don't know how old your workers are, uh, not working, and goes up to them and is just like, hey guys, have you ever thought about these nuts? Get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, I, I will I will plead the fifth on if that <laughs> actually
2: happens. <laughs> and then the union gets involved and...
3: We're not a union shop, it's fine.
2: Oh, okay, well. <laughs> You're like it's fine. I can harass the children. It, like, He's nuts. No.
0: <laughs> this is this is what creates the union. Wait. This is the final straw.
3: <laughs> At least one of my workers is considered one of my best friends for well over a decade. He'll be. I away.
0: don't work for you, and I'm your only best friend, Cord.
3: <laughs> <laughs> S- just dies. What the fuck?
2: Awkward. <laughs> I yeah, I just died on the side he's
3: like i'm your only best friend this geek he's like
2: the poison kicked in how can you <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was appropriate
3: just no jc's plan it's been it's, it's been carried out no <laughs>
2: it's been <remote>. A prophecy oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay so this is it people no more JC pirate voice after today. You know Thank why?
0: God, cuz it's hurting my voice. It's and, destroying my self-esteem. It ruins my week. I'll do it again.
3: I know everybody's going to be very disappointed with not being able to hear any more really terrible pirate jokes. From no,
2: so. but don't worry because from now on, Core's going to tell a terrible joke based on whatever it is we're talking about.
3: Dude, I'm yes. 100% <gasps> <laughs> I love it. You don't have any idea how <laughs> Dude, <even> I <I'm>, yes. <laughs> I am. I was planning on continuing this whether you wanted me to or not. <laughs> I found my bit, ladies and gentlemen. I found my bit.
2: It only took a year. Yay.
3: <laughs> Cordover scripted? Yeah, guess what? Not my bit <laughs> <laughs> not anymore.
2: It's canceled. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding.
3: We're canceling it for more stupid dad jokes. Here we go.
2: <laughs> no, sirs and gen gen gentlemen's no, no listeners. Uh, the other it one because... <laughs> the other one. I'm like gentlemen's and sirs. Okay, now, nope. <laughs> Okay, sure. Um, <sighs> we are wrapping up Summer of Pirates with the female pirate that no one really talks about much, Rachel Schmidt wall
3: schmidt wall
2: (sighs) more like shit wall (laughs) okay well yeah her story was supposed to be brief uh but it was not because i ask too many questions and then i wind up going down rabbit hole all the time with some of these oh boy okay so (laughs) i kind of had promised you that this was going to be like rachel and then i Add in some like pirate type ghosty stuff and treasure stuff. Well, it turns out, sorry guys, it's not exactly going to be that way. I am going to end on a pirate treasure story that actually ties in with a little bit of what we're talking about today. So never fear, I got your treasure right here. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Okay. Racial. Yeah, um, that was that was real bad. <laughs> yeah, it's as bad as the joke. Mm. Was it? Uh, was it? <laughs> was worse. Okay. It's worse. Um, so Rachel's story gets pieced together with her own words and a bunch of storytelling that no one seems to know exactly where the information comes from. Some of that is just terrible source citing. I'm going to try to smoosh all of this together into a cohesive theory of what may have happened. It's my theory. Not anyone else's. At least none that I've read so far. In the end, Rachel is not going to be a pirate, even as much as some tourist spots would like her to be. I'm looking at you, Massachusetts.
3: Yeah, we're all looking at you,
2: Mass. Yeah, because New England and Massachusetts like to claim her. But she was born and raised in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, just 25 miles west of Harrisburg. For me, calling her... In New England, pirate is just kind of wrong. I mean, I don't know. She didn't really spend that much time in New England while she was quote pirating. It's a tourist thing for me at this point. But hey, let's let's get into who Rachel was.
0: Who was Rachel?
2: She was born in 1760.
0: You ask who was Rachel? I ask where is she? Where is Rachel?
2: <laughs>
3: I like how you cut Kiki off just to say a really dumb joke.
0: <laughs> yeah, two thousand fucking Batman movie reference. Yeah, <laughs>
3: you're you're the fucking worst. I know. I
2: actually was imp- s- totally surprised that like Cord didn't go into what after said her name, just screaming where's Ray. <laughs>
3: I can I, I restrained myself. Oh, I didn't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no no shit, really? Yeah. Uh okay. Hmm. So she's born in seventeen sixty and she said her words that her parents were devout Presbyterians. By her own admission, she ran away when she was fourteen, but didn't stay away long. She says that they took her back in immediately, and she stayed there with them for another two years before she became discontented. At 16, she's going to leave home because she, quote, loved the sea and wanted to live near the waterfront. Let's play a game, gentlemen. Where's Carlisle? Is it close to any ocean and or bay?
3: Oh, yeah. The Carlisle Ocean, you know. (laughs) We all we've all been there. You don't have to pretend like it doesn't. They have
2: the
0: best beaches. The best. You gotta go. <laughs> you
3: gotta go to Carlisle. It's got the best beaches.
0: I don't know what you expected me to say, Cord. I don't know what I don't know what the expectation was. Not that. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> so. This is often quoted, like it's put in quotes as if it's it's coming from somewhere, right? Right. But no one seems to question this quote at all, nor do they know where it originated from. No one seems to question where the quote came from, let alone, like, how does she love the sea and want to be near a waterfront when she is born and raised in Carlisle? We're going to talk about a lot of this stuff in in this supposed story of Rachel Walt. There's another time coming up that people are like not doing their due diligence to like find out more information. So for those of you, our beloved listeners who are not Northeasterners, who don't know all the geography of Pennsylvania, and no, I don't expect you to know this little, but those of us who are born and raised here, we would think this was hysterical.
0: I have no idea where Carlisle is. I'm going to be honest.
2: Shut (laughs) up, J.C. I just told you. It's 40 kilometers west of Harrisburg.
1: (laughs) (laughs) hmm <laughs>
2: so yeah yeah okay yeah, okay. yeah you, know, you know you know you know you know okay so those of our listeners who are overseas okay so here's the deal carlisle is over a hundred miles away from both the ocean which new jersey would be the closest or the chesapeake I'm sorry, where or the chesapeake bay so i'm just gonna ignore you the chesapeake <laughs> bay area which would actually be like maryland Would be the uh, technically speaking, then it'd be Maryland. So I imagine though, if you have to, you know, you'd have to visit somewhere to know if you like it or not.
0: I mean, she could just read about it in books.
2: Okay, fair enough. Except the way that it's worded is very suggestive of that she loved the sea and wanted to live near the waterfront. That's the quote, like as if she's already been there and is like, oh, I got to get back. I want to live there again. Otherwise, you're correct. It would be I read a book. Which is very possible that she was reading about pirates ah. and she was thinking in her head, hey, that sounds like a fun idea. I think I should go live by the ocean. So anyway, we've established that Carlisle is not um. near the ocean. Okay,
3: <laughs> Not even close.
2: I <laughs> know. So there is a story and it is a story that suggests that she moved to Harrisburg. Harrisburg would have had a waterfront near the Susquehanna River.
0: Now I will say that is significantly smaller than the world's smallest ocean. I will just go with that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so so let's look at the the quote is that she loved the sea and wanted to live near the waterfront. Okay. So, waterfront though could be Susquehanna River. It is a pretty large river. It's, you know, it's the size of Delaware as far as how wide <clears throat> and how wide it is in certain parts. For sure,
0: it's a it's a big river. You gotta, you know, it's it's a thing, but like, still significantly smaller than the world's smallest ocean.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, but I will accept that there is at least a water. There's waterfront property on the Susquehanna. But here's where I have to point out, though, that even this reference, this this actual, this is used on the Wikipedia page, guys. This is why I don't just use Wikipedia ever for anything. I do. And, and why I always check their references to find out where the things take you to. This story comes from the Internet Archive attributed to Caitlin. That's it. It just says Caitlin. It's a paper that a kid wrote and it has zero references. I'm not even joking.
3: <laughs>
2: it's being used to describe an event that happened in her life that may have very serious consequences on her future, but we don't even know if it's correct. Caitlin wrote it for like fucking high school paper and apparently a shitty high school that didn't even require any references at all. I don't understand it. Fuck you, Wikipedia. I just gave you fuckers some money too because I thought, you know, let's keep it going. But I don't know, man. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. So we're not sure if this is actually true or not. But Caitlin wrote that when Rachel was 16, she attended a funeral in Harrisburg. And that would be for her grandfather named Joe Kirsch. I have no idea where that name came from at all either. Again, zero references. So the other part of the story that's completely unverifiable that also makes it into every single story about her in Harrisburg is that she was attacked by a group of girls while on the waterfront, and that this fisherman named George Wall rescued her. And just like a Disney princess, she immediately falls in love with him and wants to marry him, except her mom's not too happy about it. Now, if you go back to Rachel's own words, she does say that she did marry George Wall legally and that her mother was not happy about it.
0: Do you think she did it just to piss the mom off, though?
2: Uh, no. No, no, I think that, I think she was a 16-year-old. Oh, look, it's like freaking Ariel from The Little Mermaid. <laughs> I mean, it's not even, I'm not even joking. She's like 16, like, oh my god, I saw this guy, and he did this thing for me, and oh, now I'm in love with him, and I have to go marry him. Instead of, like, Ariel defying her father, she runs away and defies her mother and goes with this guy, George. Of the jungle? Yeah, well, <laughs> um, <laughs> George, yes. George, 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 of the jungle. jungle. Watch out for that tree. So, who is George Wall, though? Because as we we already don't have a lot of information about Joel, but here's where things might get a little bit interesting. Because I take the idea and run with it that George is a fisherman. Let's say that that part of the story is actually true. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility and this is where i went down a rabbit hole of information that i now know more about things and events that happened in my state that i don't well i mean they're kind of interesting in a way i don't know uh rachel in her own words will claim that he was the ruin of her. okay that that if he if she had never met him then her life would be a lot different if we choose to believe the part of the story where there aren't any solid references, he wasn't just rough around the edges. He may have gravitated towards other rough people. As I said, he's often described as a fisherman and for some reason also seemed to have no problem turning pirate a few years after marrying Rachel. So I have a theory about that. (sighs) I decided to look up what being a fisherman and being near Harrisburg had in common. Like, was there something there that would make me believe that George was really a fisherman start there? Well, it turns out that there was a war going on in this area of Pennsylvania. And it started in early 1750s, and it didn't stop until the late 1800s. And that was the Great Shad War on the Lower Susquehanna. The great what? The great Shad war. Chad? It was just a bunch of chads. No. Shad. S-H-A-D. Shad.
0: What the fuck is a Shad? Oh, I'm
2: going to explain. Because if I had to know this, so do all of you. (laughs) Is it a fish? It is. Shad was a plentiful fish.
0: Why do you say was? Are they extinct now?
2: No. Just be quiet and listen. PA had laws as early as 1700 put in place to make sure that all residents could access fish in the Susquehanna. Pennsylvania's administrators wanted folks to be able to take care of themselves and feed their families and thus have access to the river for shad. I wasn't really going to get into this, but maybe some people a little bit. I'm super interested in
0: this. I kind of see where it's going and I like it. Let's go.
2: So shad are the type of fish that live out at sea and then they come into fresh water to spawn very much like a salmon. As a matter I of fact, I
0: fucking love salmon.
2: Right. As a matter of fact, shad is called the poor man's salmon.
0: Golly shad all day.
2: That's what I said. <laughs> Just make sure you're saying Shad and not Chad, because things could get complicated.
0: <laughs> I said what I
3: said, and I'll stand by it. I don't know why JC getting so into this. <laughs> I, just, I
2: don't know. It's,
3: it's, it's fucking fish, just, dude. Yeah. into
2: it. Hold on, this is a war. Remember, okay? So yeah, well, I want to know how the fish were like shooting people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want, I want that movie now. Anyway, um-
3: yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean two. There you go.
2: <laughs> well will actually it'd be six. It would be like or pi- pirates. No, the, the second
0: one where the fish people were shooting people. <laughs> that's that's his reference.
2: Okay, so local fishermen take shad very seriously. Okay, so for example, in 1731, Pennsylvania Assembly received a petition from Lancaster County residents. The Conestoga Creek was dammed up by a man named Stephen Atkinson and that was so that he could use his mill and he was fulling wool. Now, <laughs> I also had to look this up because I was like, what the hell is this? Apparently it is the process of beating woven uh, woolen cloth while wet to cause opposing fibers to interlock and form a more homogenous textile. So it's kind of important to the wooling. Well, residents complain about this. They're like, once the shad was available upstream and now it's not, it's stuck below the dam. So we need Adkinson to stop what the hell he's doing because we need our damn fish. (laughs) Pun intended. Well, it turns out Adkinson's going to do the right thing because he doesn't want to piss off his neighbors. And apparently maybe didn't realize that the dam was going to cause all these problems. So he talks with the PA assembly. Fish couldn't
0: swim through it. I thought they would just go around it. You know, I thought they'd come out on the land and go around the dam. That's what I thought would happen.
2: (laughs) I'll be fair. I think he just wasn't <laughs> really thinking about it. It was like, oh, shit. You know, now this damn Fuck. So he immediately is like, I'm going to build a 20 foot wide passage and that's going to allow the fish to pass upstream. No problem. So sorry. Wasn't thinking uh, before the assembly or Adkinson had a chance to take that positive action. Uh, the locals just took matters into their own hands and tore his dam down.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, so well, <laughs> that'll do.
2: Right. So I mean this is the kind of stuff. But there was more. The, it, later on, people actually shoot each other over being able to fish in certain areas of the Susquehanna. So um, yeah, I'm not gonna oh, get So into we weren't
0: at war with the Shad, we were at war with each other over the Shad.
2: Yes. Yes. Gotcha. And I'm sure the local Native Americans who also use this fish a lot were probably looking at all of these idiot white folks being like, What are you doing? Oh, you're killing each other. Oh, okay. That's fine. <laughs> white man killing white man. That's Mine. that's a good day in my books. Come on, step aside. <laughs> <laughs> Let them do their thing. Um, okay, so now I'm going to do a little speculating here. Okay. It's very possible that George Wall had relatives who were the ones taking matters into their own hands in this whole area when it came to fishing. In 1761, the P.A. Assembly would pass a series of laws for the preservation of the fish in the Susquehanna. It called for weirs, racks, and baskets erected in the river to be destroyed and prohibited in future years. This was a lot to do with overfishing. It is during this time period, which is a very long, it's a very long period of time, but it's during this time period of shad preservation that Rachel and George are going to move from Harrisburg and try their luck In Philadelphia, I'm not saying that this law alone, sole cause of this decision, but there's evidence to suggest that fishermen in this area in general were starting to seek uh, establishment elsewhere because they weren't allowed to. Well, they weren't allowed to overfish. So, I mean, it was a good thing, but it kind of screwed some people. I feel like it was mostly the corporations that got screwed. Like if you were fishing. As an entity to sell the fish to multiple places as opposed to just being an everyday resident. That makes sense. Yeah, those people were fine. Of course, Philadelphia is like the perfect place to go. We're getting closer
0: to the sea now.
2: Right? As, and I may I make this, actually I'm going to say this comment. It could be that he wanted to make Rachel happy and she really wanted to get closer to the sea. So he's perfectly fine with moving there probably maybe ready to leave Harrisburg behind. And like so many other families in the area may have just been like, oh, we're going to try fishing somewhere else. There's something else that's really also important to keep in mind because George may have been gearing up for the next war, which would be the revolutionary war. Good for him. So his next stop is Philadelphia. Uh, Philly at the time, major city Fishing is definitely a thing, and Shad is also present in the Delaware. So if you're someone who's used to fishing this particular fish, you can still go there. You can still fish in the Delaware. Like today? Uh, You know what? I didn't look it up today. I'm not sure about the Delaware. Oddly enough, the next city, I found out you can, but we'll get there. Oh, okay. So I'm leaning towards George... Seriously looking for work in the fishing industry at this point just because he's going to Philly next, right? It makes sense. It makes sense, historically speaking. You know, like, this is this is what's going on. You've got Kensington, Port Richmond, and Fishtown all established already as neighborhoods. Of course, though, Philly is also where the Continental Congress is meeting. It's the center of talk when it comes to the revolution to come. Keep that in mind. Keeping it in mind. So a few sources go on to say that George and Rachel then moved to New York, that perhaps Philly didn't have jobs for both of them. We're sticking with this shad idea. The Hudson River did have shad, does have shad. Although uh, last time I checked, you cannot fish for shad in the Hudson River. Protect it.
0: Gotta protect those shads.
2: I think they're talking about it, though. If I remember correctly from 2021, they're talking about people might be able to start fishing for shad again in the Hudson River. At this time, though, not a problem. So, again, if we stick with what George knows, he may just be going to places that he knows and fish, but they don't stay here. According to Rachel's own words, they only stay in New York for three months, and then they move to Boston.
3: Boston.
2: Boston would be a great place to live for anyone who's a fisherman. Most renditions of this part of the story... And I say it's just a story too, because we don't really have any solid evidence for this at all. It states that George left Rachel alone for long periods of time while he was possibly on a fishing schooner. Okay, that's fair. And now that we've established that George was a fisherman in our story, and all the choices in the places reflect that, the couple is moving around during the Revolutionary War, and there is no one putting certain pieces of information together. With the exception of one guy, I'll have to put him in show notes. He made a lot of really good points. He doesn't get into this, though. Part of the story states that Rachel lived on her own in Boston and had a job as a maid or a servant on Beacon Hill and that she was, quote, very contented. Still have no idea exactly where that quote came from. But Rachel's own words say that she did take up service in Boston, does not mention beacon hill specifically she does say and i lived very contented and should have remained so had it not been for my husband for as soon as he came back he enticed me to leave my service and take to bad company from which i may date my ruin this is where a lot of people say like george left her went probably went out on a fishing schooner came back Um, And we'll get to the next part of the story. But I want to focus on the part that insists that she had this job on Beacon Hill because it's very weird. What the hell is going on on Beacon Hill during this time period?
0: Uh, Well, she was working there. That's for sure. Clearly. Clearly. Yeah,
2: sure, right? (laughs) Exactly. Except we don't know how because... Most of the southern slope of Beacon Hill at the time was owned by painter John Singleton Copley. I happen to know this particular artist because he made my favorite painting by him is called The Boy with the Flying Squirrel. It's adorable. You got to go look at it. And then Watson and the Shark is so famous that that original copy is actually in Washington D.C. in the archives there. So he was kind of a big deal at this point. The other areas of Beacon Hill had previously a very bad reputation. <laughs> they are known as Mount Whoredom, mm. spelled with the W-H-O-R-E. Dump. Yeah, that's what I imagined. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, this was due to a mixture of the British soldiers who hang out, who used to hang out, along with quote fringe society. But by the time Rachel arrives, the British have evacuated Boston. They destroyed the beacon on Beacon Hill, but by the time she gets there, that beacon is going to be restored by Boston. You know the beacon to alert patriots of British ships off the coast. You follow me?
3: Yep.
2: Okay. But this area is going to remain unfavorable in general until about the 1790s. So, who the hell is Rachel made for or in service to on Beacon Hill specifically? Like, how did that get into the story when she never once said specifically where she worked? It's very strange. So, I do have a theory for that. It's off the wall, but I'm just going to go with it. Granted, she could have been a sex worker. That would be the obvious, like, especially since her husband left. Or. Maybe she's one of the many patriots who are hanging out there, and she's putting herself right into the middle of the, quote, fringe folks, the revolutionaries. And maybe she's gaining some information about what's doing next, because when I tell you what happens next, that might be something interesting to consider. Hmm george wall comes back to boston in the next part of the story and she does confirm that he does come back she just i just gave the quote that this is how she got ruined right because he came back for he meets up with his wife and the story says that um it's it's to join him and his five friends and their girlfriends and i'm sorry but for a hot minute i'm like Oh, my God. My husband, who I haven't seen in, like, months, decides to fucking come back, and he's got his five drunk-ass friends and their five weird-ass, drunken-ass hoe girlfriends, and you're telling me that I should become a pirate with All of us should steal a boat and become pirates. For real. Yeah, why not? She would have to be the stupidest person on the planet (laughs) to be like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's
3: do it.
2: Yeah, I got a job. I'm happy. No, George, that's fine. Whatever you want to do, George, let's get in a boat, sure. So, their ingenious plan, and this is part of the story, mind you, their ingenious plan is to act as a normal fishing vessel, try to use bad weather to cover their tracks, and attack as many ships as possible near the Isle of Shoals. Here's the thing in most versions of this story that I've read, all five men except for George, right? His five friends. They were all privateers, or at least previously held a license in some cases. What is happening right now again? (laughs) Revolutionary war. And after 1776, commissions start getting handed out left and right. Even Ben Franklin will get in on this pirate, I'm sorry, privateer action and uh, i would love to tell that story it is so typical of ben franklin it's hysterical and i i don't know i'll figure it out but anyway while mildly controversial in the colonies privateers transported arms munitions and tropical products to the american continent and we've discussed several times now that pirates and privateers were already welcome within the culture of the colonies they were friends and they were weapons to be used against britain And what's really important next is in the story, the year that this, quote, pirating takes place is 1781. Guess what is also at its height in 1781? The Continental Navy.
3: Yeah, that's going to be a problem.
2: No, it's not, actually, because by now, the Continental Navy also consisted of 55 1000 guild sailors with letters of mark and sometimes using fishing schooners converted to prey on british merchant vessels looking to resupply the british military and all of this was ordered by george washington himself. Uh-huh. I was actually blown away at that number because I'd originally read 11000 turned out the 11000 was the continental navy that was commissioned by continental congress okay the fifty-five thousand other men are just people who are sailing under letters of mark that's how many privateers there were out fighting for america massachusetts alone is going to hand out 626 letters of mark and you you guys know how that works right so you have the one guy the one dude has a letter of mark and his entire crew is protected by that, as long as he's the captain and he's the one that's been given the go-ahead. He puts the crew together and they're all, they're all safe. I believe Rachel and her friends are not pirates. They are privateers working for the Continental Navy and with a very specific duty to target British merchant vessels. And the other clue comes from the other part of the story, which is the place they are supposedly pirating, the Isle of Shoals. Now, for those of you who are also not familiar with the geography of New Hampshire and Maine, the Isle of Shoals is a group of small islands approximately 6 miles or 10 kilometers off the east coast of the United States. They straddle the border between Maine and New Hampshire. Five islands belong to Maine, four of them belong to New Hampshire. During the Revolutionary War, anyone living on those islands was moved inland. And that was not done to protect them, but it was done because the mainlanders were afraid that they would give British ships safe harbor. So it's no surprise that Rachel and her crew might be hunting for ships in the shoals, perhaps specifically looking for British merchant vessels, trying to get respite or trying to hide. And since the isles are at this point are empty, perfect place to hang out. According to at least one story, the vessel used by Rachel and her crew was a fishing schooner called the Essex. This was supposedly a borrowed ship with the intent to give a portion of the stolen property to the owner. That's a pretty privateering type thing to do as well, because even he would be included in shares because he was the owner of the boat. I'm kind of reminded of how Thomas, too, was given a letter of Mark. And even though he didn't accomplish his task of fucking up the French, he did wind up giving a portion of the money back to the owners of the boat because he kept Amity. Right. Their ammo was actually pretty ingenious. They wait for bad weather. They make the Essex look as though it's damaged in a storm. They have Rachel on top deck and then she calls out to the ships asking for help. And when the ships pull alongside the Essex, uh, they rob them and attack them and kill them.
0: (laughs) Ah, the old damsel in distress scam. People still do that shit with like, but cars today
2: ted bundy did that yeah bundy would would make himself look like he was injured get people but anyway this isn't a true crime podcast <laughs> it should be after today okay so nope. <laughs> oh, we're talking about crime so the crew supposedly robbed 12 ships taking at least twelve thousand pounds and all kinds of other plunder including killing at least 24 sailors. Again, I have no idea where that comes from because it certainly doesn't come from Rachel. And apparently another person tried to find out. They found out it was in a book by a woman whose last name is Yolen. Uh, I didn't bother writing this down yet because it turns out if you go to the book that she wrote this stuff in, she didn't reference it either. So it's poor sighting. To me, this is just a story. But it's odd, though, because the hazard pay for a privateer was sometimes a thousand pounds per trip. 12 ships, 12,000 pounds. So it's just odd. It's pretty consistent with how much they might have been making. And it's all, you know, having the taking out 12 ships on their own and this is happening just within a year is also pretty consistent with what privateering. Uh, folks are doing they're doing way more damage than the actual continental navy by the end of the war privateers are going to have captured over 2200 ships and then have taken 96 (laughs) privateers were everywhere and fucking shit up all the time that is that is the best i can do if we want to believe that rachel was out on a ship at any time i don't think she was a pirate at all I think she may have been working for the government, basically, (laughs) completely and utterly protected from doing any of the things that she did at sea, if, in fact, she did any of them. Right. So the story is now going to get super sus, because after uh, 1782, like I said, only about a year after the Essex is going to become severely damaged during a storm, and most stories indicate that George drowned while Rachel and most of the crew were rescued. There is another story, at least one story, that says that it was only Rachel and three people who survived. It's, it's all over the place. This, though, goes directly against Rachel's own words written down for posterity. Quote, I hope my unhappy fate will be a solemn warning to him, meaning her husband. He went off again and left me. And where he is now, I know not. End quote. She also lists some of the crimes that she will admit to committing. One of them, and I swear to God, this written down, she was attempting to release him from jail. She doesn't say anything about how he wound up there by baking him a loaf of bread with tools in it so he could use them to escape. <laughs> i like it
0: honestly genius she
3: she saw that and then their looney tune cartoons huh
2: (laughs) and that is you know nobody talks about this but it's written down in her own words it's like something we actually have that's on file in fucking massachusetts but no let's not talk about the fact that she's baking tools into bread long before i think anybody else thought of it i don't know i don't know i you know what i gotta look at that i gotta look at the year because the year is 1785 i'm sure that somebody else before that attempted it just like we found out
0: but it's not like she got the fucking idea from pinterest okay like she was still like how how do I get fucking tools in into them? Oh, they let me give him like snacks and shit. I'll get the fucking tools in that way. Like,
2: but hold it's on. It's still
0: inventive.
2: Is it it is to a certain point. If I need to check the reference on this to find out when the first time that someone may have attacked. because we know that it was like in the 1500s, I think. Um early or yeah, early 1600s when like the first dude was like Um, I'm going to act like I'm sick and then we're going to beat the shit out of the the jailers and get out. Also, in that same time period was the whole like, put me in a barrel and roll the barrel down to shore. But it's not really going to have rum in it. It's going to have me in it because I just escaped prison. That shit actually fucking happened. And it was funny to read because I was like, oh, damn, that like... So these stories though... She could be reading this stuff. And here's the thing. like, She was educated. She was not stupid. Like her parents definitely educated her. She mentions that in her written word that, you know, they took care of her. She's she's not dumb. So, so either maybe she read it somewhere or maybe she's the first person to come up with it. But nobody's talking about this. In any case, uh, George is not dead in 1782 if she's baking him bread in 1785. True clearly a huge mistake in the story supposedly Rachel and George then instead to part way, like part ways after their possible privateering um, she does also absolutely mention this in her written work like he's he's gone I don't know what happened to him she supposedly goes back to her old way of life but habits may die hard as she does commit several crimes some of which are spelled out in her last words and confessions and some of which are on record in Massachusetts The ones I'm going to talk about that are on record from Massachusetts are, well, let's just say it leads me to believe that maybe she did have friends in high places. Maybe she was a patriot and privateer and people knew that. Or maybe she was able to tell some information and make people believe her because she pleads guilty to robbing the home of Perez Morton. He is a prominent lawyer. He himself is a revolutionary, and he's a friend of John Adams. She's sentenced to pay triple the cost of the items that she stole, and she gets 15 lashes for that. Now, some historians have speculated that due to a worker shortage in the area, someone decided to pay off her debt to the court so she could enter into indentured servitude for three years, and then, you know, she's paying that back through work so some company gets a free worker basically because well you know they're paying her debt off right but i just wonder though like if that someone knew that she had been a patriot herself a privateer down her luck with no husband in sight and that person just wanted to get her off the streets and into a better situation if The whole privateering thing is is possible
0: i mean that's possible it also could be that when she was on the mountain working she was a hooker and then somebody one of her patrons was like hey you did me good back then now i'll do you good now (laughs) i'm just saying that's also a possibility (laughs) if we just (laughs) want to make things up (laughs) (laughs) well not make things up but like theorize
2: right because you're not i mean it's again that part of the story is a story there's no there's no evidence that she worked on beacon hill but it's it's strange that it shows up at that time period why like how did that become part of the story almost three years to the day though she's convicted again of robbing yet another home with another set of accomplices like different people
0: got To stay hustling,
2: she pleads guilty again and she's sentenced to pay the money back for the stolen goods plus another set of lashings. And she has to stand on a uh, basically like a chair with a noose around her neck for an hour.
0: That's not intimidating at all,
2: yeah. Yeah, this was That's crazy actually because I
0: think most people would be intimidated by that cord. <laughs> Thanks, JC. You're welcome, buddy.
2: So, by the way, in case anybody was wondering, this is actually standard procedure as a warning as to what might happen to you down the road if you keep choosing to be a thief.
0: So it's, it's just so you know, hon, next time there's no chair, we take that away. (laughs) Yeah. So imagine this, but without the chair and probably a much shorter time span. Well, I think,
3: I think I would probably actually start choking.
0: Yeah. So maybe don't steal again. Hmm. Is this mm, message getting through? Maybe. I should probably just not get caught again. Got it.
2: <laughs> Once again, somebody comes and pays off the debt to the court, puts her back to work. And I honestly think that at this point, she feels like she should quit and stay put and stay employed. And maybe that was her plan, but it didn't work out. And this is where I feel, I feel bad for her at this point. In 1789, Rachel is going to get accused of accosting 17-year-old Margaret Bender on the public highway in Boston in an attempt to take her bonnet that's worth seven shillings. Ugh. Rachel winds up getting two of the best lawyers on her side. But it doesn't matter because the jury is going to find her guilty of the crime of highway robbery.
0: <laughs> Literally, robbery on a highway.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Except shit. the sentence for highway robbery is death. Oh, it, it was seven shillings. And this is where I could go on and talk about how fucked up Massachusetts law was at this point because apparently you could assault someone and the jur the the jury or the judge could pick from an array of different things including some of the things i already mentioned not even death wasn't even on the table just stand there with a noose around your neck for like 2 hours but highway robbery instant death sentence no american
0: question. laws protecting property over people since 1775
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh yay so Even though she's caught without the bonnet in her possession and pled not guilty, and even though she said it was a simple case of mistaken identity, and while only one single person out of the many who were witnesses to the crime could positively ID her, she's going to hang.
0: Yep.
3: over a bonnet.
2: Yeah, yeah. So her last words written in what is called Life, Last Words, and Dying Confession of Rachel Wall, which is pulling all the information of rachel this is where this is the only place that it's her words right she mentions a few other crimes that she committed she's even going to talk about a crime that someone else was convicted of but she knew for a fact the woman was innocent and she just wanted everyone to know that woman was actually innocent because this is going on record nowhere in any of those confessions of any of the other crimes that she committed including attempting to get her husband out of jail with a loaf of bread there's no mention of piracy or privateering.
0: Well, because once again, it's it's legal. Why, mes- why mention it in the, you know.
2: Exactly. So since these are the last words to be confessed to things that she knew were wrong, all of these either outright theft that wasn't, that she wasn't found guilty of, or no one knew who did the crime, or like attempting to save, or to get her husband out of jail, like a jailbreak. She knew those were wrong but if she's a privateer she wouldn't mention any of those things in the confession to clear her conscience because they were all done for the good of the country and they were done with a letter of mark so why would she talk about them as i said unfortunately highway robbery is taken way serious and uh, she will be taken to the gallows thursday october 8th 1789 She's going to be hanged along with William Smith and William Dunnigan on Boston Common. Apparently, uh, William dies a lot in Boston. (laughs) I was like, wow, those two guys are both William? Hot damn.
3: A lot of bills going down. Yep.
2: Thousands come to watch the procession to hear the execution sermon. Of course, it's an execution sermon because there's, you know, Puritans. And the last words of Rachel Wall, which she proclaims her innocence and says, quote, The witnesses who swore against me are certainly mistaken, but as a dying person, I freely forgive them.
0: Well, that's nice of her.
2: Her death order will be signed by Governor John Hancock. Is that the
0: John Hancock? Yep. The John Hancock. So would you say he put his John Hancock on? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I knew it. (laughs) Ah,
2: fuck me no thank you (laughs) what
0: about you cord cord I know where you live don't worry about it (laughs) nice
2: (laughs) okay so that's that's my take on Rachel she was never a pirate
3: I think that's a fair take she
0: was nothing more than a government employee
2: well (laughs) maybe maybe again no real evidence just a bunch of theorizing and Trying to build a spider web around what the hell, where do these stories come from? So what
0: you're really saying is, I did the pirate intro for a, she's probably not even a pirate episode.
2: Uh, n- well, hold on. I did promise you there was going to be pirate treasure at the end. Treasure, tre-
0: treasure, 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 <laughs> well, treasure. every D&D adventure truly, like, wants. We kill dragons, Why? Not because treasure. the dragons murder people, but treasure. because they have a lot of treasure. <laughs> treasure.
2: The Isle of Shoals. We're gonna we're gonna end on the Isle of Shoals. There is a uh, pretty famous dude from the Isle of Shoals called Captain Haley. Captain Haley does a lot of really good cool things. I'm not gonna get into all of those things, but I'd read something that stuck with me and it made me go back and reread it because of the quote piracy that happened at the Isle of Shoals. So there's a pretty famous legend. There was supposedly a Spanish shipwreck. I'm just putting this in perspective that it does it may have nothing to do, but it's just kind of like, there's this legend about him and this Spanish, these Spaniards wrecked on um, his isle, which I don't really want to say the name of it, but I will eventually. (laughs) Then you guys are going to make fun of it for five years. Anyway, the shipwreck on the island, and, and it's a really cool story about how he supposedly finds these dead bodies washing up on shore and he takes care of them and he buries them and is, you know, very respectful. Oddly enough, I got reading about a woman named Celia Thaxter recently. She's the first female poet of America. At least that's the moniker they put on her, right? She grew up in the Isla Shoals and some of her stories are just stories. I mean, she's even admitting that a lot of embellishment on them in this Captain Haley story about the Spaniards dying is one of them. But according to her, again, possibly stories, a few years after the Spanish shipwreck, he's out by the beach messing around and he finds four silver bars placed under a flat rock. So he caches them in and uses them to build a breakwater between his island, which was Muddy Nose Island, and uh, Malaga And this is happening um, in 1820. So well after the, quote, piracy that was taking place on the Isle of Shoals. But there were rumors at the time that this may have been a location that Blackbeard hid treasure. Uh. And ever since, it was getting hunters and divers and prospectors and today metal detectors all over the island, like searching coins, etc., The story has never been authenticated, which is an ongoing problem with American tales. Sure. Celia Thaxter admits that this story was derived from one told by fishermen on Star Island, which is another isle in the Isle of Shoals. And today it's still told with great authority, as if it's 100% true by tour boats and guides and people who run treasure hunter Web. It's a cool story, but it made me think like, Uh, what if, what if that was real though? Not saying that Rachel and her crew hid treasure, but it does track with any kind of British treasure being hidden away from possible privateers. Sure. So we just come back around again to the Isle of Shoals definitely had some kind of, you know, there was a reason why you'd be hunting there. Well, for, for British merchant vessels. And while Celia says that, you know, she got this from fishermen on another island, that doesn't necessarily mean that correct. But thank you for, you know, telling us the truth. <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh,
2: she go on to talk about how the history of the shoals gets recycled a lot into uh little stories and other pieces of information and it, again it makes me think like well what if that's exactly what happened with rachel's story some of this is just uh, well maybe there's some truth mixed in with everything else you know uh, oh my god it's so funny she says her primary source was um, oral history of the natives uh, of well they say native shoulders right like not native americans but the people who Fishman. lived on the right the people who wound up living there uh who she often described as quote drunk, lazy, uneducated, quarrelsome, and untrustworthy
3: That well, sounds about right, and
2: yet her stories that she freely admits are just stories are often taken as factual <laughs> and herein lies the problem with citing everything when it comes to this story. I'm still I'm still reeling over the fact that Wikipedia has just a page by some person named Caitlin.
3: <laughs> There's not even a last name. No. <laughs> no. Well,
0: I get all of my news and information from Caitlin. <laughs> Next time I do a report, I'm just she's, referencing. She's Caitlin. bipartisan. That's, that's... <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, she just she just she knows her shit, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. That's funny. <laughs> I I I will also add a little extra fact that I found out about Carlyle because I because I did wonder, you know, like I'm just thinking about George in my own mind and I'm okay, well, is Carlisle known for being very like pro-revolutionary war? Cuz what if that was a factor? What if moving from place to place was getting him closer to becoming a privateer? Right. right. It turns out that Carlisle has a ton of people, well, men specifically, in the Sons of the Revolutionary War. So much so that they had to create an extra chapter for them in Carlisle because a lot of them would have to join chapters in like Harrisburg or the surrounding area. In 1992, they finally make their own chapter of the Sons of the Revolutionary War. So if that gives you an indication as to how most of the men in that area felt... They were going to fight the fucking British, you know. Like it was, I, I, interesting. I'm like, again, I can only add that to my personal theory of how perhaps you know who George was and why he moved the place that he went to. Sure. Fun fact: uh, Carlisle also has uh, the long, put it the longest running active army barracks. Because it goes all the way back to 1776.
0: I was going to say, you can't say damn (laughs) because they throw that right down.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Fuck this damn in in particular because I'm a shad, baby.
0: Some would say, damn the damn. Uh. (laughs)
2: Ah. (laughs) So I'm also a little bit disappointed that you heard Smutty Nose Island and didn't want to, you know... The thing is, when
0: you say... I don't want to tell you guys this because you're gonna make fun of it. I immediately resh- like I'm not making fun of this, unless it's something really good, like the I last name's Wiener or Big was, Juan or yeah. you know some shit like that. But like I, w- I was waiting for JC to be honest.
2: Captain Big Balls.
0: Captain Big Balls, yeah, something like that. I would
2: I obviously
0: hey, make fun I of. Would, I would serve under Captain Big Balls any day. I would serve. <laughs> captain's big balls <laughs> oh
3: my
2: god <laughs> oh, well man. if you know <laughs> what i mean
0: wink, so wink, um nudge nudge
2: so smutty nose island is actually known uh for something pretty intense but uh besides is it having F- a, F- a smutty nose? nose so i had i had to dig into this one because i it was driving me nuts i keep seeing there's okay uh side note i'm seriously thinking about doing little like one or two minute long uh side mission segments basically just talking about where all these fucking weird ass names come from because you know it doesn't deserve an episode but it's it's interesting smutty because i think smutty and because of like our time period i'm thinking oh that's like it's nasty like it's uh sexually yeah
3: it's like dirty smut. sexy
2: yeah but back in the day, when it was named, it was it just meant that you had a smudge on you. Most most of the time, it was having to do with uh, coal, like a smudge of black coal on you.
3: Interesting.
2: And so when the fishermen coming into this particular island, they would see, uh, I guess, I guess around this entire island, there's a seaweed, but at low tide, when the seaweed is showing, there's one part of the island that looked like, a, I guess, shaped like a nose. So it looked like the... The seaweed was black and it was smudging the nose of the island to speak, so <laughs> yeah, they call that smuddy nose. yeah
3: Strange, but I'll take it.
2: Now the other thing is that uh it is also known as a place of a murder. <sighs> a lot of people I'm gonna start doing this though. I'm gonna start putting us as a reference inside Wikipedia every time we talk about something because I noticed that another podcast uh did this. For this particular murder.
3: <gasps> murder.
2: And it was um, two Norwegian women were murdered. Strangled and then struck with a hatchet. Oof. Uh, Celia Faxter, again, she writes uh, an account called A Memorable Murder. There's also a novel about it called The Weight of Water. And that was made into a movie with Sean Penn. Yeah, anyway, there's also Smutty Nose Brewery Company in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Just, just for so, got to add the alcohol in there, but apparently the man uh, Wagner, who was convicted of the murders, pleaded um, his innocence, like until he was hanged. So it's uh, it might be an interesting thing if anybody's out there that wants to listen to it. It's called A Memorable Murder by Celia Thaxter. She wrote the uh, first book about it. So go out and read, my younglings. I don't know how. Except for J C
3: i will read to you jc do not worry wonderful
2: so uh today's featured music is from casey renero and she is uh local to us and the song is going to be toxic phantom very cool when we get back we'll talk about some stuff going on with the squad Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back, Jack. Welcome back. Yeah, some of you guys may notice that we're doing cool things on Instagram. All of our musicians that we have on. Check it out. Check, check it. You guys got anything uh, going on or that you've seen that you want to share with anybody?
0: I watched the uh, Prey movie.
2: Yeah, you said that. The, the last New Predator.
0: Time. Oh, okay. Well, that's it. <laughs> Get new material, JC. I. Don't do much. I don't know. Ooh, I'm actually building my first dungeon. I've I've le- never legitimately DM'd before, and I'm currently the campaign I'm in. We're at a spot where it's like we're getting set up for a dungeon crawl, and the DM. I was like, "Hey, can unless you have special plans, can I just?" Because it kind of just sounds like a random ass dungeon, and he's like, "It it it would be," and I'm like, "Cool, I'm in." Can I DM it? And he's like, "Sure, yeah, I." I would love to play my actual character and not have to DM uh, for for at least one session. That would be the best. And I'm like, cool. So, yeah. I'm gonna murder know. them all.
3: I didn't <laughs> even know you played D&D, JC.
0: Really? Oh, yeah. I love yeah. d d It's one of my favorite <laughs> uh, I just, pastimes. I know. I know you're I joking, like, well, but yeah. I decided to respond with anti-sarcasm, is what I call it. <laughs> <sighs> Nice. nice. But yeah, uh, they probably won't listen to this, so I'm gonna have them fight a bunch of Troglodites. No. <laughs> uh, um, More of and them then, and then uh a Death Knight. Or not a Death Knight, I'm sorry, a skeleton warrior, and some other stuff. And it's gonna be really fun. And I put in some puzzles and some traps and some stuff. There's a gray ooze or green ooze. Not gray. Gray would be. We're not that high level. Also, remember I play Second Edition, so things are a little
2: different. Oh dear lord. Oh, speaking of editions, I'm gonna do the playtest thing for D&D Beyond for Dungeons. Was it one D&D? I don't know. I like Five E. I don't.
0: uh, Well, I heard it is just a continuation of 5e like it's just more 5e stuff but it's well, all I, I within 5E.
2: hope that that's you know what's what they're just updating rules and
0: yeah that's their. what I heard is it's a big consolidation like that's that's the big because like they have all these rules but they're scattered throughout like a lot of books so they're just trying to consolidate shit that's what I heard
2: It's bigger than that, JC. One D&D will usher in the next generation of D&D with new and more comprehensive versions of core rule books that millions of players have enjoyed for the past decade. The rules will be awkward. I'm sorry. The rules...
3: (laughs) The rules will be awkward. (laughs) Especially for for beginner players that are not comfortable with role-playing around people.
2: The rules will be backward compatible with 5th edition adventures and supplements and offer players and dungeon masters new options and opportunities for adventure. The evolution of 5th edition has shown us it's less important to create new editions of the game and more important to grow and expand the game you love with each new product.
0: Yeah, so it's not a new edition, it's just... Thank you. And technically, to my to my knowledge, the logic with 5th edition is everything in previous editions was canon unless specifically changed. So, like, certain monsters that exist in 2nd edition, you can still implement in 5th edition, but they, like, they're at least the lore, like, you'd have to change the stats, because 2nd edition is way different, well, pretty different. But, um, yeah. I don't know. I heard it's going to be, it's a decisive or divisive uh thing right now. So I try to be very positive about those things cuz it's it's fun for me.
2: What is changing with one D&D rules you may ask. Well, there'll no, be didn't. many fundamental updates to D&D that we will collect your feedback on in the upcoming Unearth Arcana playtest content.
3: God, what a bunch of fucking nerds. You'll I see agree.
2: proposed updates to character backgrounds, races, classes, feats, information presentation, and more. Ultimately, the answer to what will change depends on what you hear, wait, yeah, on what we hear from you throughout 1D&D playtesting, which means they're just going to fucking do whatever they want. (laughs) Just kidding. What does backwards compatible mean? Well, it means that 5th edition adventures and supplements will work in 1D&D. There you go. For example, if you want to play Curse of Strahd and kill everyone, well, in 1D&D, that book will work with new rules. I'm sorry, with new versions of the core rule. Yeah, they are changing everything. Our goal is for you to keep enjoying the content you already have and make it even better. You'll see this in action through playtest materials, <laughs> which I'm about to playtest. So anyway, yeah, I love my, um, uh, basically, D&D Beyond, hire me. I'd love to talk shit about your stuff. I mean, I like, I like to talk about your shit. Anyway, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. That's that's going to be fun.
3: That's fucking sick, you
0: fucking nerd. <laughs> I agree with what Cord said. Uh, um once again, I play second edition still cuz and I try not to be gatekeepy about it, but truly it's just because the people I play with. That's those are the books they have. Um I know a lot of second edition players are very gatekeepy and refuse to even why would you play 5th edition? It's too in- inclusive um, yeah, it's two <laughs> let's get more people playing a game. Wow, that's really a bad thing. Ha <laughs> ha.
2: Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. Only white male nerds are allowed to enjoy this thing. No, they're not. <laughs> Fuck you.
3: <laughs> yep.
2: <clears throat> anyway. Anyway. Yeah, so... Um I don't know. Yeah, I've got I've stuff got like two sets of dice coming and i ordered one more set on Kickstarter because they were really pretty. I have
0: four sets of Kraken
2: dice on their way to me and
0: I just oh. today got a set of rubber ducky dice. They're oh, dice with little rubber duckies in them.
2: You got them finally. You know that was like last 17
0: year. years, yeah. Yeah, uh, I've been wanting them for a while. Me.
2: Yeah, good for you. Yeah. Um, unless Kraken Dice comes out with a new set specifically for October, like last year with the flaming pumpkin, um, I'm I'm good on Kraken. I'm waiting for my Lindorm Dice to get here. That was a Kickstarter. Um, they did Sea Shanty Dice, so oh okay, very cool. Uh, you know, obviously co- colors and schemes based on classics. Just gave those a whirl, and instead of buying another set of custom dice uh i bought that painting for myself for my birthday so yeah
3: it's probably been four years since i bought dice well i'm a dice goblin cord so yeah me too i was and then i bought cylinder dice and i went oh i don't need dice ever again (laughs) these are the best dice
2: they they are pretty damn cool
3: i you just don't use the d20s because they don't ever stop rolling the D20s, <laughs> your cylinder dies for the rest.
2: Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. So other than that, um, we we we've got uh, we could get some shilling done. Shill. You can join our Patreon for one dollar, three dollar, or five dollar. The one dollar level gives you our undying gratitude and archive material at the one dollar level, and then the three dollar level gets you the stat block and the art card for Cord versus Cryptid when we do those we've got two more coming up for this year and then the $5 level basically you're just helping to support us we've got things planned but those things will not probably start in November we are on all the social places facebook instagram twitter uh, tiktok mission spooky is me i also share some gardening stuff going on and then tiktok or, uh, mission spooky jc he basically just shows you pictures of his cat but that might be what you need today my
0: cat is to be fair fucking adorable but he's yeah. also a pain in my ass and may might be the bane of my existence but i that's love him to death
2: but he is a he's a cat and that's yeah i mean my cat last two nights ago literally wanted to murder him dead being a complete ass i don't know why but he just was but he's he's my pet <laughs> he's my boy my little fur baby Yeah, Cord, you don't get in touch with Cord. Cord touches you. Instagram, that's one of those crackers you use
3: to make s'mores, right?
0: (laughs) Yes.
2: If you need a really fun voice, um, Cord is for hire. (laughs) I like being old man.
0: To be fair, you can also hire me. I'm just less talented.
3: JC is not (laughs) as good at being an old man as me. No. But he's a lot better at being a little bitch.
0: (laughs) 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 If you weren't 98, I'd punch the shit out of you.
3: (laughs) I got brittle bones, but I'll still give you a whooping, sonny.
0: (laughs) Ha, you can try. Um No, you probably would. Even as a ninety-eight year old Cord, you <laughs> could take me on at my current stage. Yeah,
3: don't try me. <laughs> Court uh,
2: also does uh female voices too, don't you?
3: Yes, but you have to pay extra for those. Oh <laughs> my god.
2: Well, they I was I didn't know if you wanted to give a sample. Yeah,
3: that'd be fine. No, those uh, those are special order, thank you.
2: Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, I'm special ordering you to do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Shit, you got me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, so anyway, that's what's going on. We do have our Discord server. If you go to our links in any of our bios, et cetera, you can link, join us. Um, i'm on here sometimes we have quite a few people though that just kind of hang out and we have a red bubble store that has all of our cute cryptids by our artist ashley including the two newer ones that she um, did for us this summer which is the beast of bray road and the absolutely adorable albatwitch one and um the lala Chusa one that she did for us and then we also Chris Stone's a little bit more um, men- menacing-looking. Uh, I like to call them menacing-looking. The Lala Shoes is still one of my favorites. Van Meter Visitor and also... Oh, yeah, he did Beast of Bray Road, too, and uh, Albert Twitch. Those are a little bit more menacing. Those are for the art cards, for the, the D&D art cards. So taking us out again today is our featured music from Casey Raniero called toxic phantom she is a local uh you can find her on instagram you can follow her and she is on youtube and she's on spotify um she also recently played the bowery electric ballroom show
0: yeah i think she's like she just finished or she's still on tour but it's as of recording this anyway
2: i hope you enjoyed it i think it's really cool it's like gothic r&b
0: yeah it's good
2: It's the best way to explain it. And this is someone that JC saw live performance and then we got in touch with So thank you, Casey. All right, well, stay spooky and don't die. But if you do, contact us.
0: All I'm going to need you to do is leave a part in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, then Philadelphia, then Boston, okay? Each one. Oh, Harrisburg. Throw Harrisburg in there as well. Leave a little bit of each message of the message in each one of those. I'll pick it up. Thanks.
1: Hi. Toxic, toxic, phantom that I